back to the Throne of Chaos. We are your hosts, Autumn and Kelsey, and today we are discussing Chapter 2 of Throne of Glass. As always, we do not represent Sarah J. Mass nor Bloomsbury Publishing. Our thoughts and opinions are our own. So this chapter begins with the captain greeting the prince while bowing his hood falls off and we get a look at him for the first time. This proves to Selena that he was using the hood as a means to intimidate her, as if that sort of trick could work on her, she thinks. Selena is shocked to see how young he is and describes him as not being excessively handsome, but that she found his ruggedness appealing. And we get Kale's physical description. He has close cropped hair, chestnut hair, and golden brown eyes. I mostly just love that she is insulted by the assumption that he could trick her <laughs> in her thoughts. And also the fact that she is shocked by how young he is is hilarious considering she's like 17 and an assassin. But we should also note that she thinks he's appealing from the beginning. Right. He's not super handsome, but she likes she it. likes him. Yeah. But we do know Dorian is very handsome. Yes. So after noticing how appealing she finds Kale, it makes her even more aware of how dirty she is. She refuses to bow to the prince, and this makes Kale seem nervous, but the prince sits proudly in front of her. Selena says she will not bow to him, even if she was headed to the gallows. She will not spend her last moments of her life groveling. She's still in this moment, believe she's going to die and she's going to die proudly because that's all she has left is her pride. Yes and I love how it shows how stubborn she is and how strong-willed she is in refusing to bow and it just further reiterates that there's some kind of tense history between Selena and Adderlin. So when Selena refuses to bow someone stomps toward her and slams her to the icy marble floor telling her that is the proper way to greet your future king. The man is described as almost as large as her overseer, clothed in reds and oranges that matched his thinning hair. His obsidian eyes, hint, hint, glittered as he tightened his grip on her neck. He has a red face, crimson cheeks, and sandy mustache. This obviously hurt her as pain slammed through her face, light splintering in her vision. Her hands are still bound and the shackles are digging into her stomach. And though she tried to stop them, tears of pain welled. She thinks if she could just move her arm just a few inches, she could grab his sword and attack him. Selena's freaking pissed. Like, she is so mad. He obviously hurt her. She, her pride, she does not want to show any tears. And we get a first look at this character. We know it's Duke Parrington. His eyes are black, which are evidence of his vowed possession. Yes. Even though it's just kind of weird... He's got the Val King inside of him. And well, we don't see a, the king's true eyes until he true. sheds true. Duke Parrington's Which, body. And then we get to, he's a completely different correct. person. So I the black eyes are kind of... Just hint at the... Yes. Eye color plays such a huge yeah. role, like we've said before. Yeah. Always pay attention to the eyes and the scent. They will tell you also, so much more. I wonder if Erwan absolutely hated being in this body. He had to have. <laughs> because <laughs> we know he's attractive. We know he's attractive and they like being in attractive bodies. Yes. And but the also, fact that he's 
Parrington's described as having thinning hair. He's got ruddy cheeks, crimson cheeks. He just seems hideous. I picture him as um, Uncle Vernon from Harry Potter. Him too, but I don't know if I say this later, but I picture him for some reason, Nigel from the Wild Thornberries. (laughs) Even though I love him, it's something about that mustache and his red hair. And even though I love Nigel, but still, that's kind of what my mind is. But also, it had to bother Erwin that he was in a duke's body right. and not a king's right. body. Which I always thought kind of was weird, but that's how... I think Duke Parrington, regardless of... He's the king's cousin, correct? They're cousins. Cousins or friends. I uh, yeah, can't I think, remember if they ever stated the yeah. actual relationship. So, I think he's just evil to begin with. I don't think the king started off as evil, and that's how Erwin... Well, we know the king didn't start off as right. evil. It was all so Parrington's idea lured him into that and that was the first body he took yes finally the crown prince addresses the man sounding gloriously bored wondering why'd you force someone to bow when the purpose of the gesture is to display allegiance and respect we learn that the man is named duke parrington the prince says that he knows he respects him but it is unnecessary to force selena into having the same opinion when he knows she has no love for my family. The prince calls out the duke's intention of trying to humiliate her, but says she has been humiliated enough. He then dismisses Duke Parrington to go meet with Endovier's treasurer, since he came all this way to meet with him. So we see Dorian's character straight away. He doesn't care for the pretenses of bowing, addressing him formally. He knows she doesn't like him, and the point of bowing is to show respect, and she doesn't respect him. He obviously has compassion for her, even though she's a criminal, and isn't scared of her, even though he probably definitely should be. And Duke Parenting goes straight to hell right away. Right away. Yeah. I think it's funny to kind of think about how Dorian immediately is, like, not scared of Mm -hmm. Selena when we know that he likes a strong woman that should probably terrify him, a.k.a. Yeah. Manon. <laughs> um, so I just had to throw that in there. But also, it's funny that he says that she has no love for my family. He's talking about the fact that she was, she's an assassin and got thrown into prison by his father. Right. But what he doesn't know is that she really, truly has no love for his family because right. that's who killed her entire her family, family mm-hmm. and ruined her kingdom. So right. it's like an extra layer to just that simple statement that you don't get till later on in doing a reread. And also, we see straight away Dorian's feelings for the Duke. He oh, yeah. doesn't like him. He wants him out of the room. He doesn't trust him. He wants to be able to talk freely with Selena. And the Duke also was there to to meet with the treasurer as code for watching over Dorian for the king. So Duke Parrington leaves and Selena dreams of escaping and returning the warmth of his greeting. She then rises from the floor, frowning at the imprint of grit she left along with the clake of her shackles throughout the silent room. She refuses to be humiliated, especially by being dirty. She hadn't trained to be an assassin since she was eight when the king of assassins found her half dead on the banks of the frozen river. She takes a moment to gather her pride and finally looks at the prince. So here we get a first little backstory on Selena. She's obviously been through a lot in her life starting at a young age. Mm -hmm. And she started training to be an assassin 
at eight years old. That's so young. And we get that she, like, didn't have a choice. And this kind of gives us our glimpse into her backstory, but we don't even get the full backstory behind how, as an eight-year-old, she ended up in a river. Like, dead. Yeah. Right. That's so important to kind of, like, think about and Mm -hmm. realize that Sarah J. Mass was giving us so many clues. And when I go back and... I never avoided spoilers. Yeah. So I was so confused when I met Selena. Oh, I was And from the beginning... From the beginning, I was like, she has to be Aelin because that was who I knew as being the main character from TikTok and Instagram. So I was so confused about who the Selena girl was. And I was like, she has to be Aelin. And there's Easter eggs, but you, like I said, in the first read, you don't pick up on them because you don't know you're supposed to. Yeah. Unless you're someone like me who doesn't ever avoid spoilers and just finds them herself. So we finally learn the prince's name, Dorian Havilliard. And Selena describes him as having a polished smile and reeking a court-trained charm. He's sprawled across the throne with his chin propped on his hand and his gold crown glinting in the soft light. He's wearing a black jacket with a royal wyvern covering the entirety of his chest in a red cloak. Can we pause for the red cloak? (laughs) Who else wears a red cloak and a black outfit and has Worthen. So I feel like this is just a fun moment to note. Yeah. Like foreshadowing. Foreshadowing towards, towards Manon. Manon. Yeah. Who is truly an iconic character within herself. Mm-hmm. I also love to think about like once we re- meet who Aelin truly is, her and Dorian are like identical in yeah. personality. And I, I think he's love like it. the other half of her coin. Yes. Um, like they other are half of the same coin. Yes. They are the same kind of people, and I love that about them and the friendship that we find Mm -hmm. between the two of them. So he's described as having strikingly blue eyes, the color of waters of the southern continent, and raven black hair that makes her pause. He is achingly handsome and can't be older than 20. She thinks princes are not supposed to be handsome. They're sniveling, stupid, repulsive creatures. How unfair of him to be royal and beautiful. Okay, Sarah... What prince do you know that's, in any fairy tale, not supposed to be handsome? Yeah. The prince is always handsome. She wants his outside to match their insides. But also, I find it hilarious that she's shocked that he's handsome, mm-hmm. knowing that Aelin and Dorian met as children. They've already met each other. Right. They actually I forgot about that. know each other. And yeah. so it's funny that she's surprised by how yeah, I did handsome about that. he is. But also, we should note... His appearance sounds like some other characters. Raven-haired, blue-eyed characters we love. Uh, yes. <laughs> Reese, Rune, yep. Dorian, you they all have that same feel. Mm-hmm. And we obviously know that Reese and Rune are, like, identical mm-hmm. because Bryce mistook Reese for being Rune. And I just want to know, if we put all three of them in the same room, how close Dorian appears to yeah. them. So Dorian frowns at the rags in her stained skin, wondering why she's still dirty, since he specifically told Kale to clean her. We get our first physical description of Selena, other than her just being dirty. Her eyes are described as blue or gray, or perhaps even green, at a passing glance. But they are actually turquoise with a gold ring around the pupils. 
She also has golden hair that caught people's attention and still maintained its glimmer even after being in a slave camp for a year. Selena describes herself as blessed with a handful of attractive features that compensated for the majority of average ones. And by early adolescence, she discovered that with the help of cosmetics, these average features could easily match the extraordinary assets. So this is our first mention of her eyes, her eye color. We know they are inherited from her family line, her mom's line specifically, the Ash Rivers. Also, we get she's pretty. It's only mentioned about 10 times in the first two chapters. She's, she's pretty. pretty. She's got blonde hair. Even though she's been in a slave camp for a year. Yes. She's but it does mention in chapter one that it is matted. It's they don't get washed. It doesn't get yeah. It doesn't get cleaned. But that you can still see how beautiful she's right. supposed to be. And also, this is just like we got hints throughout that she was Avon. It was here. I'm annoyed because Dorian said to have her cleaned up, and Kale just didn't care. Mm, Kale's he, mm, he um, oh convenient. You want to ignore Dorian at that time. He's the prince. Aren't you supposed to be the one who listens to him? So, Kale claims he didn't want to keep Dorian waiting while Selena got clean. Despite no bath, Dorian says he can see Selena's potential. He finally formally introduced himself as the crown prince of Otterland, perhaps now crown prince of most of Aurelia. Selena ignores the surge with bitter emotions his name invokes. He continues, and you're Selena Sardothian. Otterland's greatest assassin, perhaps the greatest assassin in all of Aurelia. He comments that Selena seems a little young and that he has heard such fascinating stories about her. He asks how she's like living in Endovir after living in such excess in Rifthold. So she obviously has beef with the royal family of Otterland. Yes, we find that out straight away. Also, Dorian's kind of a little mean crap in this like yeah, he's a little, little sarcasticness is like i a, get it now but it's also he's a little bit of a brashful turd in that yeah moment. that last he, that yes. last bit of being like how do you like endovir after being right. in excess um it's pretty terrible dude <laughs> pretty terrible she says she couldn't be happier i love her little her little snare mark she's not yes. gonna let him get one over on her and Dorian wonders how it's possible she's still alive after a whole year in the mines when the average life expectancy is a month. Selena responds by saying, It's quite a mystery, I'm sure, batting her eyelashes and pretending her shackles are lace gloves. <laughs> so she is going to give it as good as she gets. Oh, it. yes. And when he comments on one, we know the king wanted her to stay alive so mm -hmm. that she could suffer more. But also, I feel like her fey blood had to, like, help have her a, heal. Yeah. Yes. I know she's not, she doesn't have access to her actual fey right. body, but mm -hmm. she still should have a little bit of that healing factor. Same because, as we see later on with Aiden, and how he's so strong and yes. fast and all that. It's his, his fey blood, yes. even though they can't access that portion of them. So after her comment, Dorian claims that Selena has somewhat of a tongue and doesn't sound like a member of the rabble. Selena takes offense to this and Kel reminds her that she is to address Dorian as your highness, to which Selena responds with a mocking smile. Dorian reminds her that she is a slave and asks if her time in Endovir has taught her nothing. Selena responds that the only thing working in a mine can teach you is how to use a pickaxe. I love this whole section of banter and her smart mouth. 
Yes. Never gets old. The sassiness is there the mm-hmm. whole time. And I just loved it from the beginning. Yeah. So Dorian asks if she ever tried to escape and she gives him a slow, wicked smile. I can just see this in my head. Yeah. And replies, once. Kill explains that he was informed once they arrived that Selena had an incident three months ago, to which Selena demanded it was four months after she arrived. Selena waits for Kill to tell the best part of the story, as she claims, but he doesn't elaborate, instead saying, there's no hope of escaping Endovir. Your father made sure of that. Your father made sure that each of the Endovir sentries could shoot a squirrel from 200 paces away. To attempt to flee is suicide. Dorian responds by asking what happened to make Selena try to escape, to which she responds simply, I snapped. So we obviously know this is the day that right. they messed with her mm-hmm. because it's the day that her parents died. Right. And I feel like this is a hint of how much Selena hoped to hide her powers. Right. It also happened four months, she said. Four months of her arriving to Endovir. So yes. it was pretty fast from her being sent there. Four months later, she's already to this level of, I'm going to die. I want to die. I want it to be over with. The fact that she got to that point in four months. Yes. And then still spent eight, the nine months that, there. The fact that after four months of no food, no light, no cleanliness, mm-hmm. she was still strong enough to get right. To do what she did mm-hmm. is kind of impressive to her power level. Right. So after she says that, Kale is appalled that, that all she has to say after killing 23 sentries and her first overseer before she was caught a fingertip away from the wall when the sentries managed to knock her unconscious. Dorian at first doesn't understand the significance of her being so close to the wall until Selena explains that she made it 363 feet from her shaft to the wall when normally slaves only make it three feet before they are killed. Dorian realizes that she wasn't trying to actually escape. She was trying to get herself killed and asks why she wasn't killed. Selena tells him that his father sent orders to her to be kept alive as long as possible. So I think this story continues to show, like, one, how powerful she is, and two, how terrible of a day that specific day is for her, mm-hmm. which we see more of in Crown of Midnight when she basically disappears for the entire day. And it shows how much the death of her parents obviously still affects her so strongly. And this is a small part of this chapter, but it has a huge significance in that the slaves of Endeavor have no hope. You can't get out. You go there, you're going to work, you're going to die. That's basically how it is. Yeah. There's no escape. And she knew that day she was going to die. She had it in her mind. And I think to come to that point, she was in a dark place. Exactly. And that's just a testament into her mind, into her mental state Mm -hmm. in that place, which is also what Dorian and Kale went there for was to suss out, okay, is she okay? Yes. To be in this Is she mentally okay to be in this? Dorian then asks Selena if she has any scars and demands to see her back. He comments that he can't see them clearly due to the dirt covering her body and comments on how bad she smells. Selena responds that when someone doesn't have access to a bath, they cannot smell as fryingly as a prince. Selena notes that while Dorian is inspecting her, that Kill and the guards keep their hands on their swords. 
Selena thinks it's a good thing that they are on guard because she could get the shackles over the prince's head and crush his windpipe in less than a second. It would be worth it to see the expression on Kale's face. She wonders if she should be insulted that Dorian doesn't realize how dangerously close he is standing to her. Dorian says her scars aren't as bad as he expected and that she only has three large scars and some smaller ones and that the dresses would cover it easily. Selena comments that Dorian is standing so close to her that she can see the fine thread detail on his jacket and that he doesn't smell like perfume like she expected, but horses and iron. I think drawing attention to his scent is important. Shows that he's not just some prince who just sits on the throne, mm -hmm. doesn't do anything, just is there spending his dad's money, and that he actually rides horses, he runs his dogs. He's not just content to rule from a throne and sit on a throne. I think it's interesting to note iron. Yes. Specifically, since we learn that iron is what blocks magic. And Manon is an iron teeth witch. witch. <laughs> her fingernails, her teeth, she's iron teeth. His smell is iron <laughs> they just had a my mind bulb. my mind just because i was like scents are so important yeah. for rowan yes smells of pine and snow that's literally what terrison smells like yes yes she smells her home when yes. she smells him he is home oh my gosh <laughs> i never I just brushed off the iron. Yeah. And it just yeah. hit me. We have so many references in this episode. His red cape. Mm-hmm. His smelling like iron. It's not. They're mates. Yes. We will discuss ships here, obviously. Mates! So, back to the book. Dorian then comments on how remarkable and angry her eyes are. Selena thinks of how fragile her self-control is now that she is standing so close to the son of the man that sentenced her to a slow, miserable death. She begins to demand to know what is going on. But Kale snatches her back from Dorian, to which she responds she wasn't going to kill him. Kale, you're a little bit smarter than you seem in the beginning, <laughs> but to know that maybe he she shouldn't have aggravate the assassin. Yeah, the thought did run across her mind. It, it was there. Kel tells her to watch her mouth before he throws her back in the mines. Selena says she doesn't think he will because they obviously want her for something badly enough to come here themselves. She states that she isn't an idiot, even though she was foolish enough to get herself captured and that they are here for some kind of secret business. She knows they are testing her to see if she is physically and mentally sound, and she knows she is still sane and is not broken despite what the incident at the wall might suggest. She demands to know why they are here and what they want with her if she's not headed to the gallows like she originally thought. Dorian tells her he has a proposition for her. Selena thinks that never in her most fanciful dreams had she imagined that she would have an opportunity to speak to the prince and how easily it would be to kill him and destroy the king as he destroyed her. She also thinks that his proposition could lead to escape and she could disappear into the mountains and live in solitude 
in the dark green of the wild with pine needle carpet and a blanket of stars overhead. I'm listening, is all she said. The description mm-hmm. is Tarson. Mm-hmm. It's Tarson, and it's so great. She dreams great. of Tarson. She dreams of her home. And I think her eyes are a very good indicator of her personality currently. Yeah. Because she is angry. And we also get a hint in how she wants to destroy the king as he destroyed her. And so we get so, there's so many hints of who she is. Yeah. So many. So thoughts on this chapter. We finally see what Kale looks like beneath his hood. We finally get introduced to the crown prince Dorian Havilliard. Our sweet baby prince. The sass in this chapter between her and Dorian is so good. They're both so sarcastic to each other. Their banter is elite. I just love it. Again, they're all so young. Which, I mean, she had to age them down. She aged them down to be YA, but yes. But I, but I think, I like it. I yes. like that they are so young. She's accomplished so much up until this point, and she still has her whole life left to live. Yes. So, it makes sense. It makes sense to me, them being young. Yes. They're all trying to figure out life, go through it. We also finally meet Duke Parrington, who is huge, trash. Huge to the story. He's trash. At first, I just kind of was like, mm. I didn't realize, you don't, he's what shocked me the most in yeah. my first read. I was not ready for yeah. who he actually I just kind of brushed him off at first. I yeah. knew he was an a-hole, but. I knew he was up to yeah. something, but I didn't quite realize who he actually yeah. was. I didn't realize how big he was. That plot line hit hard. So, also, we find out that the King of Otterland is the reason she's in the mines. Yes. She was betrayed. Somehow, she was captured, and he sentenced her to basically die in the mines. Keep her alive as long Which, as possible. Really, we should note that Arabin set that up. Arabin wanted her to go to the mines so he would have a chance to... Right. Well, because she... Kn- well, she knows she was betrayed. She knows by someone close to her. She doesn't want to think about who... We and the know. reason he set that up was so he could look like the hero again. In when he story. rescued her from right. being but a slave. But it's also been a year, and most people's life expectancy in the mines is a few months. And we see by four months in, she's already ready to die. She's like She yeah. wants it to be done. But also, Arabin knows who she is. Right. So he knows, he knows she can survive. survive. But yeah. he is punishing her. It for is loving Sam. Yeah. It's a, and not it's a loving him. She has lots of thoughts about killing people. She is, she is bloodthirsty. She is bloodthirsty. She is out for some blood. And I kind of love it when we get to Rowan. Mm-hmm. Because he's the only one who isn't afraid of how bloodthirsty right. she is. He accepts it. He accepts but it. But she has reasons to be the way she is. Oh, yes. Definitely. It's justified. Also, the story of when she snaps is... It doesn't seem huge in this moment, but we we see that. We know that, knowing her, knowing. It's shocking and intriguing, but you don't get yeah, the true potency yes. of it. So I'm going to talk a little bit about House Havilliard. It is the ruling house of Otterland, and it is over a thousand years old. It descended from Gavin Havilliard, who founded it. The royal family resides in Rifthold. Like we said, it's the capital city, and their symbol is the, the Red Wyvern. So their ancestral weapon is Damaris, and the sword later on in the series is the sword that Dorian uses. So, like I said, it was founded by Gavin 
After he defeated the Val King Erewhon in the First Val War and married Elena, Brannon gifted him the land that's now Otterlin. It was initially all Ter- it was, was Terrace. It was all Brannon's land. Yeah, and he right. gave it. It's also important to note that it was a wedding gift. So technically, it was Elena's dowry, pretty much. Basically, yeah. But also, it's important to note that she's demi fay. Yes. So the Havelier family Fae. has. Fay blood in it because of her. Because of her. That's the only reason. Yes. Right, right. So he chose Rifthold as its capital. It's on the banks of the flowing Avery River. I think that's all we'll talk about for now. I also want to note that I think the house, so eye color is so important, especially to yeah. bloodlines and who someone truly is. Yeah. And it's important to note that I think that the Galathinius. Mm hmm. Eye color is actually going to be the blue eyes. So, Brandon's eye color. True, but we do know when we see Gavin's ghost that he has those strikingly blue eyes that Dorian This has. is true. So, it, it could be, we don't really know, but I think Dorian does get his blue eyes directly from Gavin. And it said that they don't know where he got him from. His mom doesn't have blue eyes, his dad doesn't have I think eyes. it would be important to, when we get there, to pay attention to the color of Aelin's father and uncle's eye colors. Yes. Yeah. All right. Please like and subscribe to our podcast on whatever listening platform you are using. And if you enjoyed it, please consider ranking us five stars. You can reach out to us with any questions or concerns at throneofchaospodcast at gmail.com. And you can find us on Instagram at throneofchaospod. We would love to talk to you about anything and everything Sarah J. Mass over there. Thank you so much for listening.